This is the Insulon podcast, where I, Owen Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode... Here's the thing that slightly worried me. Uh, because you were a young man at the time and out there in the world and going out socialising with your friends, I kind of went, oh my gosh, he's not going to be able to drink alcohol. <laughs> I knew but, you were going but, to say that. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulon podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Insulon Podcast with myself, On Costello. I hope you had a good week. And this week's episode is one that's extra special, I suppose, for the... uh, for the month that's in it, which is Diabetes Awareness Month. I had planned on getting a parent of a type 1 diabetic on on the podcast at some stage to give their experience, their perspective on things. For other parents listening, because I know there are parents of, of diabetic children listening, and even for diabetics themselves to maybe understand how their parents feel during the whole diagnosis period and even now just living day to day. So I then thought, wait a second, my dad is a parent of a type 1 diabetic, so why not get him on? So this week's episode is me having a very open and really nice conversation with my dad. We obviously have a great relationship and we talk about all these sorts of things all the time. But it was good to get his perspective and his thoughts and his feelings around my diagnosis, how he felt as a parent when I was rushed into hospital, how he feels as a parent even now as I live my life. Even though I am an adult, as he says in this episode, if you're a parent, you never stop worrying about your kids. So really, really enjoyed it. And I know my dad's listening right now again. So thank you, dad. Much appreciated. And thank you for everything that you do. Enjoy this episode. How are you, Tom? I'm good, my son. I'm good. I bet you. I bet you. Not a lot of people greet you on your podcast like that. <laughs> There's only one person <laughs> that can do that. So we've obviously been speaking about doing this podcast. Well, I kind of just mm-hmm. sprung it on you this morning. Yep. But basically, I wanted to do this because I know how I felt around my diagnosis. I know how I feel about my own diabetes. And I guess I want to get your perspective. I want to understand how you and mom may have felt, well, how you specifically may have felt the day of my diagnosis and kind of the years leading after that. So I would say, tell us a bit about about yourself, Tom, but (laughs) you, you are my dad. And that's obviously why we're doing the episode. So let us, although, let me just say first, you look a lot older of a webcam. Oh, gee, thanks. Had to, had to get that in. Right. Let's jump back to 2012. It was around mm-hmm. Christmas time. I remember yeah. it very vividly. What do you remember about that time? <clears throat> Okay, uh, yeah, Christmas was coming up and um, we knew, myself and your mother knew that there was something wrong because 
you know, you were, well, I mean, like you were really healthy and you were fit. You were, I, I, if I remember correctly, you were playing a lot of really good football at the time and um, you, you were losing a lot of weight and drinking a lot of water and, you know, yeah, we were worried about you. And um, actually, now that I remember correctly, I think we used to get, um, do you remember we used to get a Chinese takeaways on Friday nights? And, <laughs> yeah. and you, lo- you loved your, um, you loved your Chinese takeaway. And uh, we, you know, yourself and your brothers uh, really looked, f- looked forward to this. And uh, we had the usual order. I can't even remember what it was. And we all sat down, big trees at the table and, and you just couldn't eat it or you ate maybe a, you know, a little bit of it and uh, and the next thing you couldn't eat it. And we just looked at each other and we went, oh, what's going on here? You know, he can't eat his, his takeaway. And I know, I know that that's, um, it was just a, a, a little specific thing that I remember. And then I remember you, you drinking the water and stuff. And then what happened was then we knew there was something wrong. We were worried, but, you know, two of your cousins, uh, you know, being doctors, one of them's actually looking back on it now, uh, Maeve probably knew that it was diabetes. And then, oh yeah, here's another thing. <laughs> um, I remember because you were like, what was it, 19, was it? 19, yeah. Yeah, at the time. It was like, um, well, if you were if you were a younger child, you know, if you were eight or nine, like we would have been like, you know, totally responsible and for you and making all the decisions and okay, he's gonna to go to the doctor and he's gonna do this and he's gonna do that and he's gonna do the other thing. But because you were like, you know, officially an adult, you know, uh, even though you weren't really an adult at the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you're you're welcome. Um it was like, well, we knew that uh, you had to go down to the doctor. You know, we've had a, a really good family doctor over the years. And what I, what I wanted to do, actually, I still remember this. I don't know how your mother feels about this. But what I wanted to do was I wanted to run into the doctor's surgery. And I wanted to say, I don't care if he's officially an adult. Tell me what the problem is. <laughs> but, of, but, of, but, of course, the doctor... Uh, needless to say, he wouldn't have done that. He would have said, eh, get out of the room. This is an adult. I will deal with him. Mm. So that, that's one of the things I found difficult to deal with was the idea that I had to get used to the idea that, okay, you're, you're going to handle this yourself. You're going to go down. You're going to find out what's wrong. And then was it a Friday morning that you well, got the call? Uh, I, I think yeah. what, what kind of, I suppose, stopped me from going down earlier than I should have was because I was like technically an adult, as you say. And I specifically remember saying, I'm grand, I'm grand. There's nothing wrong with me because as I've said plenty of times before, I had this mindset of I'm 19, going out with friends, I'm fit, I'm healthy. There's nothing wrong sure. with me. And I, yeah. I, I specifically remember you and mom kind of being like, are you all right? Like kind of asking me these questions without kind of seeming as if you're too pushy about it and without trying mm-hmm. to worry me. And I remember the two of you were in the sitting room and I think you called me in or something. And one of you said, Oh, and I think you should go to the doctor. 
And I was like, okay. what, what do you mean? Like, I don't want to go to the doctor. I'm grand. I'm grand. Because yes. I, put, I put the weight loss down to going out a lot because it was Christmas time. I hadn't been going to the gym as much. And mm. I kind of justified it in that way. But looking back on it now, it was a way that you were kind of like urgently pushing me to go to the doctor without yeah. trying to, to concern me too much. I suppose, I suppose looking back on it now and thinking about what, what it must, I suppose, you know, when a parent, when a child is not well, you know, it, 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 it makes a huge difference. Like uh, it, would, it would be much more, more difficult, I think, really, for a parent of a younger child to be diagnosed, particularly a very young child who can't really explain what's going on for themselves and what it's like. <clears throat> but for us, you are kind of, you know, <clears throat> how would I put it, kind of like, like half child, half man kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Um, Still am. Uh, that, that, yeah, that, that kind of sounds kind of round. Doesn't it? Anyway, um, so yeah, looking back on it now, that was the difficult thing. It was like we were so used to, you know, the idea that, well, and also because you, you were the youngest, you know, of kind of saying, okay, he needs to do this, he needs to do that, he needs to do the other thing. But ultimately, it was your own decision. The other, the other thing I remember was the morning that the doctor rang you uh, and yeah, you came down. Yeah, he called you. my room, yeah. And he hmm. called me, and I was asleep at the time. And I woke hmm. up to the phone call, and he was like, is this on? And I said, it is, this is doctor, whatever. And hmm. he goes your blood test came back, you have type 1 diabetes, you need to go to the hospital now. Now, now. I was yeah. like, holy mm. shit. So mm. I put down the phone and I was, it was almost like I didn't even hear what he said because I couldn't quite comprehend it. And mm. I went into mm. you, I think you and mom were, you were both in your room at the time. And mm. I went in, I just said, got off the phone with the doctor, uh, I have diabetes and I need to go to the hospital now. Because obviously my blood sugars were so dangerously high. They were. They that, were. I, I remember just going into you being like, I'm diabetic. I need to go to the hospital now. What did you, sure. what did you think when that happened? Both of us, because we had talked with your cousin about it, the, the, the diabetic word had come up. So looking back on it now, it, it didn't come as like a serious, serious shock. We knew that there was something up and... Then when we heard the diabetes word, um, we kind of went, okay, you know, we, we can handle this. This is, even though we didn't know much about diabetes at the time, it was, we knew it was like manageable. There was a kind of a, a manageable word that came into our heads about it. I tell you, well, I tell you something, Owen, that I remember <laughs> that I still feel slightly guilty about. I know your brothers will probably be listening to this. The one thing I feel a bit bad about is maybe it was something to do with like protecting everybody or something, but we never told your brothers anything about anything. And, you know, they, they kind of went like, you know, what's going on? What's happening? You know? And the next thing you were being whipped into hospital, you were whipping yourself into hospital and, I, I kind of feel sorry about that now that we kind of went, didn't keep them sort of a little bit more in the picture at the time. But then again, you know, you do, you do the best you can at the time. It was about maybe protecting each of you or something like that, you know? 
Mm. So yeah. So so then when you went when you went into the hospital, um, they got you in and put you on a drip and all the rest of it, and we knew okay he's in safe hands now, and and then um, the doctor came along and you know he's 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 a good doctor and we just. I, I, I was having a problem with the whole thing and because I didn't know where diabetes comes from or how it was caused or anything like that, I remember kind of saying to the doctor, like, have you got a minute? And he said, yeah, sure. And we sat down and I said, I just don't understand this. Like, you know, like he's a super fit young man and he's keeps himself healthy and he eats well and so on. And I always remember him saying, no, no, no. It, 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 this is this is not anybody's fault here. This is this is this is type one diabetes. Is for whatever reason his pancreas has stopped working, or it's a viral thing, or it's a hereditary thing. We just are not one hundred percent sure, but but everything is going to be okay now. It's going to be fine. And then we were we were reassured, um, and of course, the intervening years have proved. How, how huge a thing it has been in your life. And I'm actually, I'm going to say it out now, how positive a thing it has been for you, you know? So, yeah. Were you worried about how I was reacting when it was all going on? Well, I suppose looking back on it now, because you were like 19 and weren't a small child and because you weren't like 35 or whatever, I, I mean, it was like... Well, you know, you you were a pretty competent young man at the time, and and I thought, well, this is going to be a big change in his life, and and once we're there to support him, and once his family is there to support him, like there was no better man that was going to manage it than yourself. I I had things that I, that that kind of were in the back of my mind about diabetes. In fact, my own grandmother, I remember when I was a child. She had diabetes, but now I can't actually remember whether it was type one or type two diabetes that she had. But but so there was kind of I had I had kind of vaguely sort of formed notions in my head about oh I know it affects your eyesight or your circulation or your feet or you 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 can't eat this or you can't drink. I actually <laughs> here's a thing that slightly worried me. Uh, because you were a young man at the time and out there in the world and going out socialising with your friends, I kind of went, oh my gosh, he's not going to be able to drink alcohol. <laughs> I knew but, you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, but and I mean, I, you know, all parents would, yeah. will worry about, about their children's consumption of alcohol. But, but, but as it turns out, I mean, you can eat and drink exactly what you want once you keep it in balance. I suppose a lot of it comes from the old things about being afraid of something combined with not knowing much about it. So you have to stop being afraid of it and you have to learn what you can about it. But we were always going to be there to support you, but there was no better man to deal with it than yourself. I knew you were going to be great. Actually, I was worried about your sport and how it was going to affect your sport. And uh, because you were so big into playing football and and so on, how it was going. And then I said, well, sure, time will, time will figure that one out, you know. So. It's funny that you mentioned the, the alcohol thing because obviously it was the forefront of my mind around Christmas time because we obviously go out a lot or whatever it is. But when, mm. I, was, when I was told, I was like, shit, can I still go out as I have done 
in the past and how I have socialized and, and that kind of thing. Dad, do you think that sure. my, now again, th- I I'll always, what I've kind of interested in your perspective on these things because I know in mm. my own head, but I'm always curious to know whether or not somebody on the outside had noticed. Do you feel as if my personality changed at all as a result of being diagnosed? You mean like since the time and up to now? Yeah. You mean, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the foundations of your, of your personality and your character are there. But, but, but like, you know, I mean, you were seriously tested in terms of, of, of uh, <laughs> I know it's an old cliche, talk about character building. Uh, it, it was amazing. Um, and and th- there was a combination of knowing that you were a competent person and knowing that, you know, you were just going to take it as it came and you were going to deal with it. So we kind of knew you were going to deal with it, but we knew that you would, that you would I suppose, fall over, you know, as we all do all the time, you know, that you would fail at certain things or what was the old quote? I don't know. Your mother would be giving out to me now because I haven't got this right. Maybe it was, I just say? That's what you always used to say, adapt or die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> actually, actually, yeah, I always regret saying that because I never quite meant it literally. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I never meant, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, think, I think a lot of things are about adapting to things, about, okay, this is what's going on. Uh, this is what's going on for my son. What's the worst case scenario here? Is he going to die? No, he's not going to die. Uh, this is a very manageable thing. And I know that he's going to manage this and we're going to support him to manage this. And actually, to be fair to your two brothers, even though they were in a little bit of a shock at the time, uh, because as a family, we have a little bit of a dark sense of humor. <laughs> one of the things that I remember, oh my God, one of the things that I remember is that night in the, hospi- in the hospital, um, both of them, came in laden down with Coca-Cola and bags of sweets and all this kind of stuff. And I just thought, yeah, yeah. I, I was sitting in the car and, and, and you know me now, uh, when the chin juts out, I, there was a combination of being really angry about what they were doing <laughs> and seeing that, ah, look, this is just a, a, a touch of a touch of dark humor, and this is what's good. this is one of the little ingredients that's going to get him through this at the time. <laughs> they arrived into the hospital with Coca Cola and Skittles and sweets and stuff like that. But but I look back on that now with a great sense of affection, and that was their way of saying, "Okay, we're going to deal with this. You you you're going to be fine." And even now, they 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 joke with you all the time, and and those jokes get us all through, you know. So, so yeah, and then, yeah, you, the, the football was a big thing, I suppose. It was a big thing for you. But, I mean, you managed that too, you know. And, I mean, you went, you, you, you kept on playing and you went to college and you did all the things that you could do and it was fine. Yeah, and I think <laughs> if you weren't going to highlight that story, I was definitely going to talk oh, about how, Ma- or how Con and Luke came in with the, the Coke and sweets and stuff. Because I remember I was sitting there, I had lost about a stone and a half. 
told I've diabetes, need to inject myself multiple times a day, still not knowing if I can eat these things, if I can go out with friends, if I can play football. <laughs> and then Con and Luke arrive in with bags of Coke and, and sweets and stuff. So, you know, it was a perfect, perfect moment for that sort of dark side. It was. And, and, and I think sometimes we underestimate like a, a, a sense of humor or a lightness about things. Even, even in the most ser- serious of moments, you, you can make a joke. And I think if the joke is, is coming from, from the right place, maybe it's an Irish thing. I don't know. Oh, actually, now I remember what, what I was going to say about that failing thing. We knew you were going to be falling over all the time because you had to kind of learn to manage it as you got on with it. But I think it was a Samuel Beckett quote about uh, trying and failing and trying again and failing better. Uh, you can look it up sometime. It's, it's, it's a very interesting quote. I think it was Samuel Beckett or James Joyce or one of these giants of literature. But anyway, yeah. So we were confident in your ability to deal with it. Looking back on it now, I, I do feel, though, for people who for parents of children who are diagnosed very early and, and for the children who can't really, they don't have the, have the way to explain what's happening to them and how they're feeling and how they're feeling physically and mentally about things. Uh, and for parents who are left not knowing what to do, but it's, it's all a learning process. But I, I do feel, I do feel for, the, for, for them. For us, it wasn't so bad. You, you, were, you were kind of on the verge of adulthood and we knew you were going to be okay, as you, have, as you have proved. And I think that's something that I often touch on as well, how I myself know that I was almost at an advantage being diagnosed at 19 because I was nearly an adult, as you say. Mm. And I was old enough to realize the severity of it. I was old enough to realize that this is something that I have to take responsibility of because the reality of it is I'm going to see my doctor three, three months, six months, maybe even a year. So because it's a 24-hour thing, I knew that this is on me. And of course, I, I appreciated and always do appreciate the support that my two brothers and my parents have given me but deep down, I always knew and always continue to know that this is on me. Like, this is something that I have to manage. And I think that because I was at that advantage, you and mom were at that advantage too. Because if I was three years old or five years old or even 10 years old, that just changes the whole nature. Oh, absolutely, completely. And I mean, not, <clears throat> I mean, there's all, all the stuff about school that like, you know, you were in college at the time. I can only imagine how difficult it is for parents to be worrying about their child in school and telling their teachers about he needs to get his insulin or he might have a low or he might have a high. We, we didn't have anything uh, of that to deal with at all. See, <clears throat> the other side of the coin on that I remember as well is like not alone were you old enough, but you like looking back on it now, you were also young enough because I'd say an awful lot of people who are a lot older when they're diagnosed, they find it difficult to change their ways. They, you know, there's 
certain foods that they like, their drinks that they like. They, they live a certain lifestyle. They have, they've become set in their ways. And, and it, it's, you know, the older you get, the more difficult it is to, to change that. So you were young enough to be able to say, no, I, I, I kind of have this. I'm, I'm not set about stuff. I'm 19. Uh, you know, whereas if you're in your 30s or 40s or something like that, uh, and you're set in your ways about how you live your life and the kind of food you eat and the kind of exercise you take and the kind of lifestyle that you, you lead. Yeah, that, that must be difficult too, you know. So, yeah, looking back on it now, you did great. And, and, and when you went to New York, and that, that's actually another regret. We were so proud of you when you won that award. It was like unbelievable. Like I, it was like, wow, Jesus, is this actually happening? Um, you know, and, you, and, and we were just so proud of you. It was fantastic. And to, to listen to your podcasts and to know that there's people out there listening and you're on their side, it's great. I'm proud of you. Can I say it on the podcast? Of course you can, Dad. Jesus, absolutely. <laughs> the more you say it, the better. <laughs> so something that, because you listen to the podcast every week, I'm sure you've, mm-hmm. you've heard it yourself, something that diabetics will, will typically say is that despite the fact that they now have to essentially kind of just fully take responsibility of their health every day, they also have another kind of sense of gratitude about their health in terms of they appreciate it more because Mm. even from my own perspective, I know how fragile it can be because like the flick of a switch, I went from a quote unquote normal 19 year old fit and healthy to the next day being told I have to inject myself multiple times a day. Mm. And even because of that, I kind of have a new appreciation for my health because I know how important it is. Do you think that your attitude around health has changed since I was diagnosed? Oh, very much so. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't know. I was, I was getting a bit nervous about the podcast. I was saying, I hope he doesn't ask me about glycogen because I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. anyway. All these technical terms. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but just in a general sense, yeah. It, it makes me really aware that, well, I'm responsible for the food that I, that I, that I put into my system. I'm responsible for keeping myself fit and healthy and yeah i mean i i don't know i mean it's like anything else essentially you're the one that's the diabetic i'm the one that's the parent of the diabetic so i there's loads and loads and loads of things i don't need to know about all the medical stuff and and so on but but in a general way um hyper aware now of my fitness levels and my 10,000 steps a day and, you know, not to be putting rubbish into my body and to have some sort of a balance around life. And of course, to have a good mental attitude to things is super important. It's In fact, it's almost more important, I think, mm. just to kind of feel that, okay, I wake up every morning and it's a new day and, and we all just try their best to, to get on with things. It's to learn to, to cope with the things that you have to deal with and, and, and deal with them as well as you can. And, and if you fall over, sure, so what? Get up again and carry on. It just automatically makes me think of what you used to just instill in me. It, was, it must have kind of stemmed from maybe playing sport or whatever it was. Anyway, you used to always say, and I've quoted on this podcast and any other podcast that I go on so many times, but how you used to always say, 
you've no control over what happens to you, but how what you control is how you react and respond. Oh, absolutely. I, I really, really believe that. And I believe that there's a lot of people out there in the world and, and, and sometimes terrible, terrible things happen to them. And, and you know, I, I've been lucky. We've all been lucky. But every single person has to deal with, with their own stuff, things that happen to them. And there's so many things that you can't control with the whole business with the, with the virus and everything that's been going on around the world about the virus. I mean, we can't control any of that except just wait for, for life to improve and do the best to, to carry ourselves and behave ourselves in the best way that we can. But yeah, I really believe that. I believe that we are responsible for how we behave and how we react to things. And you've done great. I mean, and you're doing great. What you're doing in your podcast is fantastic. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you touched on when I went to Canada, or not Canada, New York, and obviously went to New York yeah. for two, two odd years. And I had mm. also gone to Canada relatively shortly after I was first diagnosed. Okay. Were you concerned more so about me going away because of diabetes? Uh, yeah, I, I don't remember it so much about Canada because you were only going for a short time. But certainly when you were in New York, uh, we were very much aware that, well, on a very practical level, you had to buy your own stuff. Uh, whereas essentially we, we don't have to buy it here. So while your insulin and your needles and stuff and your mother was constantly aware of that and would go down to the, to the, to the chemist and get the stuff that you need. So like if your cousin was visiting or if we were going over visiting, we'd always have the doctor's letter and we'd have the stuff with us. So it was kind of like, okay, this will keep them going for the next three months or whatever it is. But I suppose on another level, what maybe might have kept us awake at night a little bit was, ooh, if he has a low or a high over there, we're, we're not going to be with him. And then you're, you're a grown man and you had your flatmates and you had your friends and, and, and so on. So, and, and they knew what your situation was. So uh, we, were, we were confident enough. But, you know, like you, you, always, you always worry about your children. You know, no matter what age they are you worry about them actually the other thing i always remember this one do you remember this one you liked your chinese food so much do you remember the time that we went down and and um, we had the meal in the chinese restaurant and your hand was shaking do you remember that oh i think i think you actually only brought this up with me yeah wow back in the back in the early days and, and it was like it was just the two of us and we were sitting down having a meal together and uh you put your hand across the table and you, you, your hand was like shaking. And you, you just said to me, hey, dad, look at that. And I went, oh, my God, like, what's wrong? And, and you said, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to be having a bit of a low now, but it's fine. I'll just get a, <laughs> a, 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 a bottle of Coca-Cola or Pepsi or something and I'll be grand. And, I, and, and of course, I was kind of going, whoa, are you sure everything's okay and it's fine? No, no, it's fine. And it's like, yeah, yeah, he can handle this. It's grand. But I still remember the shaking hand. I remember, I remember that really well. Just sticks in my mind for some way. But anyway, sorry, I'm off the Well, that's it. Um, that, that's one of the, the telltale signs of when you're getting a low blood sugar, that kind of shaky. And that was probably the first time, well, maybe not the very first, but that was probably 
one of yeah one of the first times that I would have had a low in front of you after being diagnosed where I was that shaky so I was kind of like here sure. dad look <laughs> yeah look yeah it was almost like it was like it, it wasn't like I was the one that was kind of a bit fearful Whereas you were kind of going, hey, wow, geez, look at this. <laughs> uh, but, but, but because you were in a situation where you, you were in control of it and you knew what to do. The other time, actually, it was relatively recently, and, and I felt a bit bad after it, and I, uh, both of us should have made a better decision on it, was when we went out on that really big, long walk up near Bangor. And um, and you 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 didn't have enough uh, enough glucose or whatever on you, and you started to feel bad. And you, you said you were feeling bad, and you turned back. I should have gone back with you that that day, because when I walked on, I kind of what what am I doing walking on, leaving him on his own? So but, you're you know, a bad parent. <laughs> it says here you're a bad bad <laughs> yeah. yeah that's me yeah yeah but you know you live and learn and, and and it's like i suppose it reminds me that you always have to be vigilant you can't ever stop being vigilant about it and essentially you know we trust you you go off and 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 you live your life and you do exactly what you want to do but you carry this thing with you and and you do you do great but yeah Speaking of me doing exactly what I want to do, because most of the time that's exactly what I do do. (laughs) Okay. How do you how do you feel about me working, call it an unconventional sort of job, and pursuing diabetes full time? Um. Ah, we're we're delighted with that. I mean, like you know, you, you you get to the point in your life when you think your children are going to do A, B, C, or D, and they eventually end up doing quite the opposite of that. And it's fine. I would hate to know that you are doing something that you are deeply unhappy doing. And I think that, that if it wasn't for diabetes, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing, and, and, and it fulfills you, and you help people, and, and it makes you happy, and that's what you're doing. And I mean, yeah, we're, we're both delighted with that. Delighted with it. Tom, yeah. has there, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll finish up shortly enough, has there ever been something that you wanted to ask me but you felt you couldn't? Um, oh, gosh, that's a hard one. No, not really. I suppose once, once we got to the point when we realized, well, you're a fully grown man, you're living your own life, you make your own decisions. If you make mistakes, you take the consequences of those mistakes. You're rewarded when you, you know, no, not really, to be honest. Like, I'd say getting back to the idea of had you been a younger person when you were diagnosed, a child, or, or even a younger teenager, I suppose I would have felt the onus on me as a parent to learn an awful lot more medically about it, to read a load of books about it. I have to confess, I haven't read a load of books about diabetes. That's because, that's because I know you've got it and you're handling it and it's part of your life. So no, I, I mean, no, away you go, live your life, do what you want. Like one of the things that gives me great confidence when I look back at the time that when I was a child and my grandmother had diabetes, it was like, it was almost like, 
oh my God, like, what's wrong with Granny? Has she got some sort of like terminal illness or something like that? But like, then again, that was back when I was a young man. That wasn't today nor yesterday. So we know an awful, awful lot more about these things now. And uh, all these things are manageable. And it's to give people that sense of confidence and responsibility that here, if I do this, this is what's going to happen. If I live my life this way, this is what I can work out for myself. No, I mean, no, it's great. It's really good. I was wondering how you're going to answer that. Yeah, you, you got out of that one nicely. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, that was a good yeah, one, though. I, no, but I don't to have be honest, any of that written down. <laughs> I, I didn't think that there would be, to be honest, because I feel that we're, no. we're constantly very open with all sorts of things. Right, mm. Dad, to finish up, last question. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Right. So, like all the podcasts when I have a guest, I ask a finishing question. I know you yourself aren't diabetic yet. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> no. if you could thank diabetes for something, what would it be? Mm, let me see now. I suppose in a nutshell, uh, I have a son who's, who is diabetic. And what I want to thank diabetes for is that it has made you the person that you are. And jeez, um, I'm going to start getting upset here now. Um, but but that's what I'm thankful for. You, you, you would, you know, there are so many paths that we choose, or so many paths that maybe we don't choose that we have to end up going down. And it has made you the person that you are. And I'm proud of you. And I love you to bits. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Love you too. You're welcome. <laughs> Absolute pleasure having you on. That I was really looking forward to that. And. I appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure I'll chat to you in five minutes. <laughs> I'm sure I, I will now go down and put on a cup of tea. And it's great, <laughs> great, great to talk to you. Thanks, Dad. Okay, good luck. Just a quick word before you jump off, well, before I jump off. Firstly, thanks so much for listening again. I always really, really appreciate you listening to these episodes. The feedback that I get from all the episodes from diabetics out there, diabetic parents, diabetic friends, it's all amazing. So I love those messages when you send them in. Really appreciate them. I hope you enjoyed that episode with me and my dad as much as I enjoyed recording it. He is somebody that has an amazing mindset and outlook on almost every aspect of life and somebody who I am lucky enough to have as one of my parents. And he's somebody who kind of adds to my character and obviously a lot of who I am is as a result of my parents, like most of us are. So thank you again, Dad. And for anybody listening still, if you want to win one of my hypoglycemia t-shirts, all you have to do is screenshot this episode of the podcast that you're listening to right now, share on social media, tag me, tag Graham, that's optional, and you will be in with a chance to win one of my hypoglycemia t-shirts. They are up on my Instagram page, at Insulone. You can check them out there. Obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you know how important, well, not how important, but how interested I am in hypoglycemia. As a diabetic, it's one of the most terrifying, frustrating, and just just ruins your day sometimes. 
So I always like to highlight the importance of avoiding hypoglycemia as much as possible. I've explained in previous episodes of the podcast how sometimes it feels as if you're kind of melting. It's like your face is melting when your blood sugar is so low. So these t-shirts are black and a colored design with an image of a face that kind of looks like it's melting and it says hypoglycemia. So an interesting way to spread awareness. You can be out on a walk. People might ask you what they're about. You can tell them it's hypoglycemia. So I'm actually wearing one right now. And this week's winner of the hypoglycemia t-shirt is Sophie Heydari from England with an Instagram handle of at pump it up Soph. So congratulations. Congratulations, Sophie. You have won the first hypoglycemia t-shirt for Diabetes Awareness Month. I'll get that sent out to you ASAP. We appreciate you sharing. We appreciate you listening to the podcast. And if you at home want to be in a chance to be just like Sophie and to win one of my hypoglycemia t-shirts, all you have to do is screenshot yourself listening to the podcast, share it on social media, tag myself at Insulone, tag Graham at Instagram O'Toole, and I will throw you in the draw to win the second hypoglycemia t-shirt until then appreciate you all listening have a fantastic week and i will chat to you soon